Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody out there. This is Joshua Gillow with the Outer Spaces podcast brought to you by Yes Express. Uh, welcome back. Today, we have a, a guest on, Josh Zolan. He's been on the show before. I wanted to bring him back and uh, see where he's, you know, what he's done, what he's doing. And I hear some stuff before that we hit play that he's uh, he's still killing it out there. So I want to share that with you and want to get raw and real today with him. He's the CEO of Windy City Equipment Service. Um he is in the Arizona market. Uh, I know it's a big state, but I think it's more Phoenix, right, uh, Josh? Yeah, that's correct. Correct. Um, in 2014, he started about 1.2 million in sales, and last year, he hit 10 million. It's fucking amazing. So, man, I can't wait to hear about how he's growing and the pressures he's dealing with now as the company grows and the, the insanity that comes with all of that stuff. He also has a book, Blue is the New White, and I'm sure we'll dig into that a little bit more here in the podcast. So, uh, Josh, welcome. Man, thanks for having me having me back actually. But, uh, uh, thanks again. This is, uh, this is great. I can't wait to get into it with you. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And you know, this outer spaces is all about being raw and real. Um, as you listeners know, we, we speak just about everything. We don't censor anything. It is exactly what you get because that's life. And if that doesn't work for you, then you can hit stop right now. So anyway, <laughs> let's get started out. So I know we spoke last, uh, I don't know, almost a year ago, right? Yeah. Uh, what's changed in the last year besides making a buttload more money? <laughs> Making a buttload more, or keeping a buttload more, because those are two different conversations, my friend. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? I mean, just like the rest of the world, it's been crazy, right? We had the the COVID boom, as uh, as you called it, you know, before we hit the the record button, and it really is. Everybody's getting back to uh, to spending money. And, you know, it's just crazy. We cannot keep up with the demand. I, I, I tell everybody, listen, I could have 20 more texts and I would still be short staffed right now, you know, on top of everything mm -hmm. else that we're seeing with, uh, you know, the great resignation and all this stuff. I don't know what you're seeing out there, you know, uh, Josh, with your industry, but um, I know with mine, it is getting harder and harder to land good talent and keep good talent. Uh, but I mean, on a happier note, like you said, we have been growing leaps and bounds, just trying not to let that uh, shortage of people throttle our growth. I love that. And what are you doing to find the efficiencies within your crews and things like that? Because I know if you can't be, if you're not hiring people and you, you're growing by a, a big chunk, um, how are you doing it? How are you doing it with what you have or, or how, are you, how are you doing it? Yeah, there's a couple of different answers there. So the first one I would give is, you know, um, really shoring up our systems and processes, which is an absolute must, you know, when you're in growth mode. Uh, I don't care if, uh, you know, I don't care what the economy is like. You always have to continue to refine your systems and processes. And it will continue to be a challenge as well, because I like to say that you're trying to build an airplane mid-flight, right? That's really what it feels like a lot of times. Um, so that's the first thing is I, was, I would say is always keep refining those systems. If you can s save five seconds, 10 seconds, one minute, one click, three clicks, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, um, 
get those efficiencies where you can because they will add up, especially as you get bigger. Uh, the second thing is uh, you 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 make your efficiencies when you hire. And what I mean by that is um, if you're hiring the right people, then you will become more efficient. You will be able to take on more than you would otherwise. And really that boils down to, you know, hiring people that want to work, that aren't lazy, and that you can rely on. There's there's a couple of different types of people I've found, you know, in, in my industry specifically. And there's a good barometer in my industry being in the HVAC space in Phoenix, right? When it gets 120 degrees out, summertime, mm-hmm. everybody's back is against the wall. I mean, we we have to dig our heels in and we have to just go, go, go. I mean, sometimes working 18 hours a day, you know, just just going. That's that's the industry. That's what it is, you know. And so we weed people out pretty quick who can't make the cut. And I try to be respectful and I try to be, you know, accommodating and I try to uh, take into consideration the coming generations and stuff like that. But there also has to be an element of responsibility there uh, with regard to work ethic. Um you know, and if you have the right type of people that are willing to put in the right kind of work and the right amount of hours, then, you know, you can weather the storm through this shortage that we're seeing. Otherwise, it's going to be pretty damn difficult. No doubt, dude. No doubt. Have you, um, how have you been holding on to existing talent when they see like, oh, maybe I can go somewhere else and make more money? Or they're just kind of like, I'm, I'm getting burned out of working like, you know, in 120 degree weather when everyone else is inside nice and cool. Like, how do you keep them entertained? Because I know in our industry, and we're not that different. That's why you're here. You know, you're not like you're, you're, you're selling Botox or something like this is totally <laughs> different, uh, not totally different than our industry. You're just, you know, doing different things with, with uh, different equipment, but still the same idea. You still are a service industry. You're still providing a service to to customers. So how do you keep the keep it around and keep them entertained? And how do you keep that culture tight so that people keep coming back? Mm, that that's a tough question to answer. And honestly, over the last couple of years, I've had to take a good look in the mirror and ask myself just that. Um, and really what it boils down to, and and admittedly, you know, I learned this a little bit late because uh, when this whole market shift started to happen and, you know, the wages started to rise, everybody out there that's listening knows what I'm talking about, right? Um, we were hit with, hey, so-and-so is offering me more money, you know? And listen, sometimes it's 50 cents more, which is easier to deal with. Sometimes it's 6 $7 an hour more, which is a whole nother story, right? And there's a balance there uh, because you... <laughs> Usually if somebody comes to me and says, hey, you know, I'm being offered $6 an hour more, my answer is, well, you're not worth that. So you better take it because I'm not going to give it to you. You know, Mm -hmm. if you were worth that, I'd be paying you that. You know, that's just, that's kind of my style. Um, But, you know, there is a, there is a balance there. You know, if if someone's offering a couple bucks, then yeah, I mean, that employee has to give a serious consideration, especially with inflation and everything else that we're seeing. But... I will say, because my knee-jerk reaction was to give it to them. Mm-hmm. My, and I think that I speak for a lot of people when I say that, because we are growing, you know, just like all the other industries in our sector are growing, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, the more people we lose, the more that it throttles that growth. So we want to do everything we can to mitigate that. Of course, looking around, that's a short-term solution, right? Because at that point, we've become part of the problem. If we raise, if we raise our wages, then, you know, some our neighbor's going to raise their wages and it's just going to keep doing this. And then who ultimately suffers? It's the customer, right? Because we have to raise our yeah. rates. So, sorry, that was a long way of saying that what I've learned 
is mm-hmm. as long as it's reasonable within a couple of bucks, the biggest thing that I've done is, and I've done this a couple of times now, is have a very serious, transparent conversation with the employee that's considering leaving and talk about exactly why they're leaving without money in the equation. And that's hard to do because, you know, but you gotta, you gotta force it out of them. And I have, and really what it boils down to is a couple of things. Number one, flexibility. And I'll get to that in a second, but it's really the perception of flexibility that we're talking about here, not flexibility Mm -hmm. in, in itself or number two involvement. And this is something that, uh, I've just found recently that I've used to retain three or four of my employees, you know, that were considering leaving for wage increases. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what's happening right now is that my, and I'm speaking for my company in particular, but we're growing so quickly that from a leadership perspective, everybody knows what's going on, but from a frontline perspective, it's a little chaotic, right? People look around, they see structural changes. Like I, like I said before, structural procedures, processes, systems, all this stuff is changing and they're getting this feeling like, oh my gosh, we're going corporate. There's so many changes in, in, in such a short amount of time. What's going on? It boils down to the fear of the unknown, right? Because oftentimes the, the leadership conversations don't cascade across the entire company. We know what we're doing from a growth perspective and we just expect everybody to fall in line, right? Mm-hmm. When the reality is they need to know, otherwise they're going to fear it. And so uh, having these conversations and getting them involved, you know, the technicians, the lead technicians, empowering them a little bit more to say, hey, listen, you know, I know it feels crazy out there right now, but we did this because this was happening. We did that because this was happening. What I need from you is to help get your team on board. Like if I'm talking to a lead technician, right? We need you to get your team on board, make them part of that solution. And that seems to uh, carry a lot of weight with people. Then they really want to be part of the growth instead of subject to it, if that makes sense. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about, you know, team members and employees. And if I were in their shoes, the number one question I'd be asking as a company's growing and I'm still staying at the same wage and the same responsibility or have received more responsibility for the same wage is, What's in it for me? I mean, it's yeah. great that Josh is, you know, that they cleared 10 million last year. That's amazing. That's, that's fantastic. He can take that to his, you know, big treasure chest and put it in there, but I'm still making 18 bucks an hour and I, I'm strapped for bills that, you know, I'm going paycheck to paycheck. So why the, why the hell am I sticking around here when I have an opportunity to go to 22 bucks an hour, that would give me a little bit more wiggle room in the week. And, you know, and, and Josh can find somebody else to do this stuff. So I know deep down that the team members are asking themselves, what's in it for me? Growth is great, but it means more responsibility and same money or slightly more so you know that old adage of the king on the hill mentality where you know uh, the, the the big owners would sit up on their big mansion and their like cars and all that stuff and be like looking down at the peasants working like that's the mentality that someone i know you don't have this but some owners have and that is the absolute wrong fucking way to look at this because these people that are working for your team members they have families and all that if you can help them get to that answer quickly without them burning a lot of calories what's what when you say i want to grow my company what's in it for them and it doesn't always have to be money your point about flexibility is that they could work remotely is it that depending on your industry of course could you work remotely could you could there be a bonus system in place could there be a profit sharing system in place so that everybody wins on the way up and here's here's if i could interject a little bit on that flexibility please 
you know, here's the thing when I, when I said that there's a perception of flexibility, right? So I don't know if you know this, but ADP, right? One of the, or the largest payroll provider uh, in the world, right? I think one in, one in five people in the world is paid by ADP or something like that. 33 million people in the United States um, paid by ADP. So they put out a survey, right? And uh, this survey uh, asked, well, what, you know, what is the biggest reason why uh, somebody would stay at their current employer? And they picked one word. They did that word cloud thing, whatever. The, the word that mm-hmm. appeared most often was flexibility. So, which I thought was interesting, especially, you know, considering the source. If this was uh, done by, you know, somebody else or a smaller payroll company, probably wouldn't give it as much of a look. But because it was ADP, it definitely had to. So, uh, the flexibility. Here's the thing is that you're doing this most likely in this economic climate for your employees anyway. Right. If they have a doctor's appointment, no problem. You can go home early. If uh, they have, uh, you know, they got to pick up their kids from school, not a problem. Okay, you can come in late, you know, or drop their kids off in school. Whatever, you know, whatever it is, you you provide this flexibility. But how often do you actually say it? And is there a structure around it? Because the statistics show that if you just say, "All right, listen, we're a flexible employer. We're going to give you three hours a month." just call it three hours a month. In reality, you'll probably mm-hmm. do that a lot more. You just don't label it. But we're going to give you three hours a month to flex your schedule however you want. It's not PTO. Yep. It's not anything like that. You don't have to pay for it. You just do whatever you've been doing, you know, and, and now you just call it something and you have a bank. So at the end of the day, it does two things. Number one, you end up ahead because you create a structure around it. And then number two, it gives this perception of flexibility, which the employee appreciates beyond all reason. 100% dude. And absolutely. Cause everyone lives crazy lives, right? They have families, friends, whatever, depending on what cycle of life they're in. And you know, to have, I've seen many companies successfully do four day work weeks, four tens, right. And that gives people three days off on the weekend. And if they get a rain day, they shift it to the middle of the week or something to that effect where they can actually have a personal life. You know, really what kills uh, team members is when they're just be constantly barraged with, with, you know, exhausting day after exhausting day. And then they bring it home to their family and then their family life sucks and they have no way to get away from the pressure and stress. And then they go to alcohol and drugs and all that kind of stuff. So um, to, to make sure they have that. And even uh, I've done this recently where, you know, I see my team working their ass off. I mean, they are working like crazy right now. And to say, you know what, guys, each one of you mental health day in the next two weeks, it's non-negotiable. It's not going to go against anything. Take a day, do something for you. You got to do that. You got to throw it in there. You got to just make sure they see that, that you see that they're, they're giving it their all. Cause if not, and you don't pay attention, all you do is run them like a, a used mule. <laughs> You're going to end up with people that are just leaving the mass exodus. They're going to be like, man, I'm not putting new windows in that brand new big house of yours. I'm not interested in that. But if you don't, if they don't feel, feel not see or hear, if they don't feel that you care, that means you don't care. So you better yeah. make sure you're taking care of those people. There's a lot of lot of truth to that statement because gone are the days, right? Where you know you just you go to work to punch, uh, uh, you know, to punch in and punch out and and go home. Just yep. you know, the perk was, hey, you have a job. It's not like that anymore. Nope. <laughs> It's not. And these yep. coming generations, they see that, you know, even even yeah. going back to, you know, millennials, um, Gen Z's. I mean, they they get it. They understand it. And you're going to have to accommodate. There's a phrase out there that I really like. And, you know, my old uh, uh, my former COO used to say it all the time. It's uh, do we want to be right or do we want to succeed? Yeah, because you know what? My personal opinion and this is the way that I'm built. Right. 
is I will go to work. I will work 16 hours a day. I don't need a pat on the back. I don't need to thank you. I don't need a mental health day. That's just me. That's just the way that I'm built. You know, that's right. but that's not the way that everybody's built. And I can't mm-hmm. project, you know, how I can't reasonably expect anybody else to treat my company as if they owned it. Right. That's, that's mine. That's what, that's what I bring to the table. You know, I, yep. I, so, you know, and I, I think that we've got to remind people cause you know, there's plenty of owners out there that are super old school, right? And no, you don't get a day off. That's not how we do things here. <laughs> yep. yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? But to your point, those are the, those are the companies that are going to start losing people to the companies that do those things. Yep. You don't need foosball tables and, and, you know, uh, all that kind of crap in the break room so everybody can have some fun. You don't need all that kind of stuff. You just need to care. And then your, yeah. your, your team actually has to feel that. And that's going to be your best bet in these crazy times. And, you know, with, uh, you know, recession on the on the horizon here and, and interest rates going up and, and buying style changing. Now, some of the big cities like, uh, you know, like Phoenix and Atlanta and, and you know, the, the, uh, these bigger towns, bigger cities, they're not going to see as much of the change, if you will, or the pullback as rural Pennsylvania like we are in or other rural parts of the country. And there's been tons, and I've talked about this before in the podcast, but there's been tons of new companies starting up just to, to help with the demand needed in our industry, which is amazing. I love entrepreneurship, but if they're not ready to manage, and we talked a little bit off air about this, and I want to hit this one on the head. Um, they're not ready to manage these price increases. They're not ready to manage you know, all these, these setbacks with you know, materials that are being delayed and all that kind of stuff and they're mismanaging that side of the, of the house they're going to be in for a really rude awakening by the end of the season when they go to look at the you know probably the one time they look at the books and they're like hey the accountant did i make some money this year and like nope didn't make any money but you still got to pay taxes so yeah. josh tell me a little bit about how you're managing all the uh the craziness with getting materials and price increases and how are you doing that is it incremental is it like fuck it it's now this is what we got to do we just got to switch it up like where are you at with that yeah you know it's it's we're all kind of in this learn as you go situation right now, you know, because this is this recession that's looming, right? And I'm sure we'll talk a little more about this, but um, it's different. This is different than what we saw in 2008, right? This is this is a, a different animal, you know. We're seeing inflation just go through the roof, you know. And and uh, I mean, geez, from my suppliers, I've gotten probably. I don't know. I pick any given suppliers, three to six inc- price increases within the last. 16 months, something like that, which is just unheard of. You know, we deal with a lot Mm -hmm. of uh, commodity stuff, you know, copper and um, steel and, and, you know, stuff like that. So it, it, it's tough to keep up with it. So there's a couple of things, you know, that we've done. Uh, Number one is we've tried to get ahead of the curve. We we raised our prices last year in September. We went 10% because we thought that was going to be enough. turns out it wasn't even fucking close. Right. Hmm. It just, it just wasn't. So uh, yeah. we're on the horizon of raising our rates again right now, uh, 25%. And it's yeah. a necessity. But here's the thing. Yep. And here's the silver lining, which is something that I'll try to find in any given situation, is that mm-hmm. right now, as it sits, more people than ever will understand if you have to raise prices. You are not doing 100%. your company or your customers any favors by keeping your prices the same. You You will not undercut your competition the way that you think you will because it will put you out of business and i'm telling you that right now with what we're seeing you know so we've we've gotten ahead of that and the the other thing is communication right and again it's no surprise to anybody with with what's going on right now if you keep close communication you don't try to conceal too much you know 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but we're B2B, right? So, so my customers are all business people. They understand what's going on really well mm-hmm. right now because it's affecting them the same way it's affecting me. And I can use yep. that to my advantage, right? And so when we have these conversations and say, listen, you know, I understand that you've got to raise the price of your pizza another 50 cents, you know, which you haven't done in, you know, 15 years. Uh, but yeah. now you understand why I have to raise my prices, you know, the way that yeah. I do, because you're experiencing yeah. the same exact thing, you know, and then having a little bit of foresight, right? Because that's kind of what we're learning right now. We're trying to figure it out through this whole inflation game that we're that we're playing. Um, that's all going to deflate eventually, you know, and, yep. and that's what we have to be prepared for. Right. So it's not just, hey, raise your prices and, and you know, now you've got this big cushion that, you know, is going to carry you into the sunset. That's just not, not how it's going to work. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the, we're, I don't know that we're going to drop off like a cliff, but I, I know that the work is going to drop. And so we have to be prepared in the sense that um, we have to be mindful. Right. We have to get back to our frugal ways. You know, I, I, yep. I use the um, analogy with my team that. You know, we've got to we've got to get back to our bootstraps, right? We started mm-hmm. this company out of a garage. Every single day, yep. we 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 looked hard at what went out and what came in. And I don't care if you're a hundred thousand dollar a year company or a ten million dollar a year company or a hundred million dollar a year company. You know, you've got to look at it the same way in the coming months because it's going to make all the difference in the world. You've got to make sure that your collections are on point. You got to make sure that your invoicing is, is on point, get that cash flow right, you know, and then you've got to scrutinize everything. You know, we have a ton of purchases. I mean, I mean, our, our expenses are probably in the neighborhood of $750,000 a month, something like that, you know? And, and so you've got to go through these invoices because I'll tell you right now, there's shipping errors, there's price errors, there's duplicates. There's, oh, we should have got a credit for this. We should have got a credit for that. If you're not keeping your eye on this kind of stuff, I'm telling you, you know, it it's going to hurt. 100%, dude. 100%. And you couldn't hit that better. I mean, at one point I wanted you to drop your mic, but it's on a stand. So <laughs> it didn't work. Boom. <laughs> oh, man. So, oh, I just want to kind of un, un, or peel that onion back and just go layer by layer. So we go back to raising prices, right? So I know so many that are that don't want to do that. And I know a lot have. So if you're listening, you have and you're rolling your eyes. I get it. But there are still many that call me on a daily basis asking me what's going on. What should I do? And I'm like, you need to raise your prices up. You can't keep riding like you did two years yep. ago or three years ago. It doesn't work that way but I'm afraid to go to them and, and, and ask for more money, or I'm afraid to, that I'm going to price myself out of my market. And, and I'm thinking like, wait a minute here. What do you even know your numbers? Do you even know what your break even is? Do you even know what you should be charging? Do you know what margin you should be charging? What your overhead looks like, like all of those things. And most don't. Let's, right. let's face it. When I started in this industry, I didn't know that shit. When I started in this industry, I was like, oh, sweet. I can make big bank quick. I got to sweat a little bit, but I got lots of energy. So let's go do this. And then it eventually became a business. And when it became a business and there's an overhead structure and a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet and statement of cash flows and all this kind of stuff, you're like, I had to learn all that stuff too. And then it's like, all right, wait a minute here. So there's like a language behind all this. And so if I you know, I figured out my overhead, then I can charge it back to my client per hour or per job or however you're structuring it. And then all of a sudden I can actually put a profit margin and then I've got to put my pay in there too. So that, cause I'm, I'm a quote unquote employee to the company. Cause I provide an asset to the company and I would have to pay for that otherwise. So that all has to go in there. And then the business has to make between five and 15% minimum. 
Yeah. What? How, how am I going to do that? I'm not a mathematician. I'm a landscaper. You know yeah. what I mean? So I didn't go to school for this shit. So now it's, it's the thing is, it's really cool. Josh is that when I started 25 years ago, this stuff didn't exist. This software, that kind of stuff. Now it does. You know, there, there's plenty of, of opportunity for you to know what your, your numbers are. There's plenty of opportunities for you to understand a sales cycle, understand how to run books, how to um, now to hire a bookkeeper and accountant, people like that, that you can not necessarily need them in-house, depending on the scale of your company, but that you can have access to, that you can have conversations with. I have a CFO for one of my companies and every month we meet and go through every one of them, you know, he has an entire spreadsheet. He's telling me how we're doing, how we're looking through. And I can say, okay, cool. This We should invest here. We need to stop this. We need to look at this. We need to check this out. He's constantly watching this stuff that, to be quite honest with you, I don't care about in a way that I want to look at every day. I am passionate about growing the company and he's passionate about making sure we continue to grow. So having that, that, uh, that person on my team really helps out a lot. And he had said something and I wanted to bring this up because we're talking about recession and things changing. And I was talking about pockets and markets that probably won't get bounced too hard, but others will. And he had mentioned something I thought was really interesting. He says, you know, people are selling their uh, $2 million houses in California and they're moving to Atlanta. Just using an example, whatever. Uh, another city that is not quite as expensive. You fill in the blank. And they're buying for five or six hundred thousand dollars. They're buying a bigger house with less taxes and they have all this money. So they're like, all right, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to gut the place and make it mine. or I'm going to gut the outdoor living space and make it mine. Right. I'm going to just make it the way I want it because I have all this money sitting around. And that is something that is completely different than 07, 08 and 08, 08 yes. 09. Back when I went through it like you did. Right. We went through. That was a very different animal. People just stopped spending. It was a complete shut the valve off kind of uh, experience where this is going to be different. But what you don't want to do is just shut your eyes, put your head in the sand and think, OK, well, I'm going to be just fine. I have been for two or three years and then wake up one day and you ain't got nothing. You're in the red and you're you know selling things just to make bills. So hmm. what are your thoughts right now on how and I know you're growing a company and all that kind of stuff. How are you managing your mindset as you grow? Because you did, you know, two million additional in a, in a year is pretty significant in what you're doing. So how do you keep growing? Who do you look to for guidance so that you can keep leading your team forward? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I love that question. Um, and to your point, everybody should have multiple of these people, if not on staff, then in their circle. Right. And, yes. and I do a couple of things like, you know, I can tell, you know, you're a lifelong learner like me. You know, I can tell that just by talking with you and, and you know, understanding your story. And so, you know, a couple of things. Um, I'll start on staff, right? To, to your point, you need somebody who can look uh, look at your books, right? And and kind of give you a performa or, or a prediction, for those who aren't familiar with that term, of, you know, where you're going to be in three months, in six months, in nine months, in a year, you know, and take all this economic bullshit into consideration, you know, because again, to your point, most entrepreneurs are there to grow the business. Most entrepreneurs are those visionary types and they don't like to get dirty, get in the weeds in those numbers. They have to sometimes, we have to sometimes, right? And we can, but that's not where we function best. Uh, right. So yeah, you know, you need somebody and whether it's a CFO, whether it's a controller, whether it's a CPA who does fractional CP, uh, CFO work, somebody- yep who is, is, is more intelligent than you when it comes to that kind of stuff, you know, is so inted, you know, I, I'm good at operations. Dude. Like I started in this business, putting in the systems, putting in the processes, putting in the procedures, stuff like that. I was lucky enough to find somebody way better than me. So, you know, I, I'm able to rely on them operationally right now as well. 
Um, you know, and so we, we've yeah. got to proceed cautiously. We've got to lean on those we trust, right? And, and our, our advisors. Um, and then the other thing that I'll say to my lifelong learner standpoint is um, there are local networks out there. I'm part of a, uh, a CEO group called Vistage. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they are, yeah, fantastic, right? I, I've been part of that now for two years, joined just as, uh, mm-hmm. just when COVID had, hit. Yeah. And yep. it was so valuable mm-hmm. to, uh, to my business, to my personal health, my mental health. I mean, because listen, I, I love my family. I love my wife, but she doesn't want to come home and listen to me bitch about how I just lost three mm-hmm. employees in one day. And, you know, she doesn't know what to say. And it's not her fault. Right. And there's very few people that we can talk to sometimes that will understand number one and number two offer suggestions. Right. So, and whether I'm not saying, you know, you got to join a CEO group or anything like that, or entrepreneur group, but you know, you should find Mm -hmm. like-minded people around you and surround yourself with those because, you know, if you can think creatively, that's one thing, but if you actually have a team of people that can think creatively with you, and problem solve with you and really help you navigate what maybe none of you have navigated in the past. It is, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. I, I credit that really to, you know, the growth of our business. Cause I don't know that I would have been able to, to sustain the $2 million, you know, in, in one year at the, at this point in, in this company's history. So, um, all very, very valuable stuff yeah. there. I love it. And one thing you said that is so true and something that took me way too long to figure out was to surround yourself with people a hell of a lot smarter than you. I always thought that as a business owner, I had to be the smartest guy around because if anybody was smarter than me, they wouldn't need me anymore. Like, what am I going to do? What's my new identity, right? This is all about identity at the end of the day when it was like, all right, well, if, because I'll just backtrack, you know, for, for the beginning, I was, you know, the designer and the salesperson and, and um, original family company. Right. And that's, that's what I did. That, that was me. That was my identity. People asked that at a cocktail party. What do you do? I'm a designer. Sounds cool as hell. What do you design? Outdoor living spaces. Oh, that's fucking amazing. Like, tell me about that. Right. And so you start becoming this person, you get this kind of ego trip with it. And then eventually you got to let that go when you start hiring designers and salespeople. And then you're like, all right, now what the fuck do, what I, do I do tell now? people at a cocktail party? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Who the fuck am I? <laughs> right? yeah. It's it's like, who am I? Like, what do I tell people? And then, and then start, you know, adding in there, you know, different roles and different companies and things like that. And you start thinking like, man, I don't even know what to tell people at all. Like elevator pitch. I don't even know if I'm going to get on an elevator. I think I'm going to take the steps for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> Dude, there's so much truth <laughs> but, to that. Yeah. You know, there, there yeah. really is. And, 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 you know, because I, I, struggled with that too. Like, listen, you know, I started off for those who know my story. I started off as the stunt guy, right? That was my, my thing, my entire life. I was a stunt man, you know, and then I, I switched gears and I, nice. I became a, 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 a restaurant equipment repair man. And that was me. I have a whole Ooh. YouTube yeah. <laughs> series of me personally fixing restaurant yeah. equipment. You know, that got me like yeah. 11 or 12,000 followers on that YouTube channel. That was my identity. Nice. That was me. Right. Yeah. And yeah, then, yeah. And then we started bringing on the people that were smarter, right? I've got my, my CFO, I've got my COO, I've got my director of relationship management because it transitioned, right? I was the repair guy. Then I was the guy that handled the relationships. Nobody was better than me Mm -hmm. until I brought in that guy. I was the operations guy. Nobody was better than me until I brought in that guy. And then suddenly I'm taking this stuff off my plate. I'm left with, well, who the fuck am I? What is the, like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, okay, so- 
if somebody were to ask me what I do at my company, what am I going to say? And then finally, you come to terms with that, you know, and you, and you understand that you reach a point in your company where your, your job, and it's the most important job there is, is to make the right decisions, or I'm sorry, I should say make decisions because they're not always going to be right. Yes. Right. And you have to make Mm -hmm. the wrong ones in order to get to the right ones sometimes, but making decisions and coaching people, which is kind of where I'm where I land today, right? I, I, I have, uh, an entire regimen that I follow. So this, this guy that I brought in with the, the COO, yeah, they're smarter than me, you know, and they, they, they can do the operational things better than me, but how can I help? Right. I know this company better than anybody. And that's, mm-hmm. and, and that will never change because I've been part of it for so long. So, right. you know, from that, I can kind of, coach people, I can take a bird's eye view, right? And I can I can teach everyone how I want them to represent the company, how I want them to act. And I encourage yeah. them to be able to come to me with issues that they have and me help guide them to a solution, right? Not tell them what the solution is, but help guide them there, which I think is the most important aspect. Um, because ultimately 100%. the strength of a company resides in the people in it. And so if you if you can f- make your way to the point where your niche is to strengthen those people, then, I mean, you've, you've got a self-fulfilling prophecy. I love that, dude. I love it. So, so true. And, and once I gave up, and it sounds the same for you, once we gave up those identities and said, you know what? My identity is the vision keeper of the business. Yeah. I'm the one that, that makes sure that the vision of the business happens and not physically doing the work, but that you're actually the one saying to the teams, winners meetings or whatever, and you're just keeping that in the back. Cause in their mind, they're trying to be as efficient as possible and, and be as profitable as possible, but you've got to keep the heart of the business alive. And that is a whole different skill set. So I want to ask you, how do you at in these different levels, starting at 1.2 million, going to 10 million now, how do you keep Josh growing in a way that he can become the leader at each of those levels that your team needs to keep moving up. Cause I know it's not something that you're, you know, you're born with and you're just like, yeah, no big deal. We'll just grow it to a hundred million. Like I got that shit done. Like I was born with that talent. Like, how do you work on that? How often do you work that? What do you do in order to keep you growing so that you can keep leading a team that's growing? And you know, it, it's, it's tough because you, you run into those glass ceilings, like I was just talking about where you don't know what your identity is. So you have to start that question all over again, every time you come to a new one. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's tough, you know, I'll say, listen, I was the guy, I used to get to the office at four o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't leave until eight o'clock at night. I mean, Mm -hmm. but then you get into this position where you are the visionary, you know, and you still keep that schedule and you end up twiddling your thumbs, right? And you're like, wait, mm-hmm. what the fuck am I doing? Like, you know, so I think yeah. first and foremost, you've got to accept it, right? If if you want to keep progressing and keep learning and keep motivated to, to, to move forward and to grow personally, you've got to admit that, okay, well, you know, maybe I am a little bit lost. Maybe I do need to to hone a skill I don't yet have or double down on something that I do, you know, and then from there, uh, you know, I get, you got to find your rush, right? Where, where do you get your rush? And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I used to get my, and it changes, right? I used to get my rush by fixing the equipment. I used to get my rush by 
um, you know, coming up with a new system or a new process. Hey, this is more efficient. Awesome. Super proud of myself. Great. You know, and then, uh, and then it became people, you know, I get my rush when, uh, when I see somebody, when I know that I gave good advice, right. And I see somebody mm-hmm. implement it and grow from it. I think that that's unbelievable. Um, you know, but then I, I, I think us as entrepreneurs, we're a little bit gifted in the sense that we can, and sometimes to a fault, see things 10, 20 years down the road. Right. And so you always, and you might've heard this before. I don't know where I heard it, but everything you do should be something that your future self thanks you for doing. Right. And so whether that means reading a book on a subject that you need to learn or, uh, you know, extending an olive branch to somebody who is an expert at something you want to learn, you know, and having a conversation with them uh, or just literally locking yourself in a room for 12 hours and, uh, you know, with a whiteboard trying to figure out how to make the company better and then presenting that to your leadership team. You know, there's there's Mm -hmm. a million ways to go about it, but you got to want it. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you've got to want it. Kind of like, uh, uh, kind of like you said earlier. I forgot what you were talking about, but uh, you got to care. You were talking about employees. Yeah, you've got to care. You've mm-hmm. got to want it. I mean, so yeah, that's really that's all I can say. Now, have you you mentioned mentioned Vistage earlier as your C, uh, CEO like network mm-hmm. that you work with? Um, I just want to talk more about surrounding yourself with people that are further than you so that you can keep moving forward as well. And that I've found that, you know, having mentors and coaches, I never believed in that shit until I was about 35 or so. And then when I started, you know, training for American Ninja Warrior, my coach said, you need to compete. And I'm like, I've never competed in my life in front of people. And he's like, you need to do that. And I fucked it up big time the first few times when I was embarrassed out of my mind, but that's what it took to get there. Right. But he, he pushed me to a way that I, in a way that I never would have pushed myself. And, and I found now with that experience that every time I try something new, I hire a coach or a mentor in order to get me there faster. For instance, my wife and I are going to Colorado in September. Um, she's always had in her heart that she wants to, um, herd cattle on horseback in Colorado in the mountains. That's always been, she's a horseback rider since she was a little girl and she's always wanted to do that. And it came up as an option for us, uh, this nice ranch outside of Denver. So we've booked it and we said, go and I, this guy here has been on a horse probably about six times in my life, right? <laughs> and it's usually those little plug horses that are tied together, yeah. right? So it's it's kind of like a, a hairy car, right? It's kind of <laughs> get on and go. But now now I've I've said no. Now like I, I want to go with her. I want to experience this with her. It's eight hours a day in the saddle going through the mountains and all that kind of thing to herd these cattle for different farmers and bring them in and get them out for the winter. And I'm like, I'm not going to go in there and be the weakest one. I'm not going to go in there and figure it out in the mountain. I'm all about ready, you know, aim or ready, fire, aim. But at this point, I'm not going to be the one where my legs fall off the first day because of eight hours of, you know, cinching the side of a horse with muscles I've never used. Right. So I started taking, I started training. So I hired a coach, you know, I hired, I hired a coach to, to teach me and I go to the horse farm now once a week and we learn through how to do this stuff. They teach me how to, how to steer the horse without my hands and all this kind of stuff. It's fascinating stuff, but I don't want to go there being the weakest one. I want to go there and enjoy it. Just like business. You want to get up each day and enjoy it. Um, anything you want to do. So if you can hire a coach or a mentor in order to get you there faster and teach you things you would never learn just by doing it, that's the secret to it all. I mean, how has your journey been with that exact subject? Uh, wonderful. Really? Like you, like, listen, I mean, when I was in my twenties, you know, and I was still growing this company, there was nothing I couldn't do. 
right? And for those listening, yeah. I'm doing air quotes right now. You know, there's nothing that I couldn't do. And, and uh, you know, I just, I had all the energy, none of the know-how, but I didn't need it in my mind. I just, I would figure it out, you know, and, uh, and it got me so far, right? Um, but I got stuck for a few years at like, in the seven millions, right? It was like 7.2, 7.3, 7.5. So we still grew, but not at the rate that we were used to, you know? And uh, because yeah. before that, I mean, we went from 1.2 to 2.5 to four to six. I mean, we had some serious fucking growth, right? And this yeah. glass ceiling, right? Which we see in, in businesses all the time. And it, we all we always have to break through it. You've got two options. You break through it or you don't. You know, and that's, that's yep. it. Yep. But that's when I had to look at myself and say, well, maybe I can't just figure it all out on, <laughs> on my own, you know, yeah. maybe, yeah. or maybe I can, but maybe it's taken too fucking long. So, um, yep. that's when I, ultimately I, I joined Vistage because, uh, even though, you know, my, my board and my group isn't all in the same industry as me. You know, they are all in the same position as me and I can learn just mm -hmm. as much from somebody in the insurance business as I can from somebody in the HVAC business, you know, um, with regard to certain things. And that was one thing I was missing, right, is is I, I kept, you know, self-limiting beliefs, right? I, I thought that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I had to stay within this box and learn, you know, whether it's from books or whether it's from the internet or YouTube or whatever, or even people, I could only talk to this, these people, but really, I mean, your horizons open up if you can talk to anybody who might have the information that you need. Um, even, even the alternate perspectives are just so, so valuable sometimes. I mean, I've implemented strategies that are typically only in like the wealth management sector in my company. Mm -hmm. And I'm the first one in my yep. industry to do it because I had these conversations with people in an outside industry and for no other reason than, oh, well, we've never done it that way. Oh, well, that's, that's it really. So, so this awesome system or process or, or, or benefit to the employees has never been in the HVAC space because no one ever did it. And that makes it right. <laughs> like the amount of stuff yeah, that you it, can learn yeah. is, is yep. unbelievable. You just, you, you can't be closed minded. You got to open that up and you can learn anything from it. You can learn anything from anything. I mean, really. You can dude. I love that. I love that so much. And so much of my my past is exactly in that. And I didn't realize that my wife's a chiropractor. So I'd go to her events that she would go to and they were very mission, passion driven, very focused, very um, intense. Um, so with that being the case, I from the cornfields, Pennsylvania was not used to that shit, right? I was I was a laborer. I worked on farms like this is a whole new world for me. But what I did is I went in the beginning and it took me a little bit to get used to because I'm like, all right, these guys are like rah, rah. They're <laughs> always hugging. They're always happy. They're very successful. I'm sitting around millionaires all over me, right? They're all over the place here. And I'm like, they're doctors. They're all clean cut and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm used to burly, you know, farm people, you know what I mean? <laughs> Working in the garden center and being out there as land. So I'm just used to just rough and tumble, uh, 
um, you know, men and women. So different world completely. And then I was like, wait a minute here. And I'd listen to them speak about different things and about their businesses. And in the beginning, it was tough for me to translate. That's probably the best word for it, right? They would talk about chiropractic and subluxations and all yep. this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking like, doesn't really pertain to me, right? But then I stopped for a second. I said, you know, you're missing an incredible opportunity because business is business, dude. It's one language. It just happens to be different colors, if you will, yeah. for different industries. Uh, to your point about CEOs, you can CEO of any company, you can do pretty much that function uh, on most companies. So point is, when I started to translate the language from these very passionate people that had huge practices, multiple practices, multiple countries, all this kind of stuff, and listen to their business minds and their models and started translating. When they said chiropractic, I said landscaping. I just flipped in my head. I just made a little like whatever pattern interrupt. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, why doesn't my industry do that? Why doesn't it do this? Why doesn't it treat people that way? Why doesn't this happen? Why is it so difficult to do this when they haven't figured out? Right. And then I'm sitting and thinking, well, I guess I'm going to be the first one. And as a, you know, a lifelong learner, I'm like, let's try it and see what happens. And it worked like magic. I was like, whoa, I was the first one in my environment to actually charge for designs. I know that's new now or not new now, but that's what it was back then. 20 years ago, I was the only one in my market charging. So I had to be the one getting told no all the time, but I knew my time was worth money. And I knew that I was good at it. And I got told no a hell of a lot of times. But the point is, that was what it was. If you wanted my time, you were going to pay. And it wasn't anything more than a, a qualifier, right? Anyway, you can learn, to your point, you learn so much by just stopping for a second, putting a translator in your head and listening. Man, there's so much. That's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. There's so <laughs> much we can learn by keeping our fucking mouth shut and our ears open. That's right. That's right. I mean, I, I, so I can't. I mean, I can't put into words how how unbelievable it's been since I realized that. So I, I, I mean, listen, yeah. you know, I'm not super proud of it. It had to be this way for me to turn out the way I am. But when I was younger, man, it was the opposite, right? I opened my mouth twice as much as I listened to anybody, you know. And it's yeah. just you you realize how much more you can learn when you don't do that. That's true, but the pain of life of those examples that you missed. Those things you missed, opportunities you missed because you ran your mouth or your ego got in the way. Like, I'm not doing it that way. I've never done it that way before. I'm going to do it the way I know it works. Is that really the best way? <laughs> and if you had somebody, a coach, mentor that would stop you and say, wait a minute, Josh, what if you tried it that way? What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Oh, well, I did this, 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 but that's already happening to you. So why not at least give it a shot? Next thing you know, you're doing it and you're like, that's so much better. Sometimes we can't get out of our own way. Right. So that's that's by having somebody else to do it. I have a, a life coach, business coach. I have I have coaches, sales. I have all kinds of coaches around me because I know that I only have so many days, hours, minutes on this earth. And I want to get as much in as I possibly can impact and empower as many human beings as possible. Hell, I even got a chart on the wall that has every single week of my life in boxes, little itty bitty boxes. And I'm going to live till we well past 100. I've already decided that. So I'm doing everything I can to make that possible. I mean, when God calls, he calls. But at this point, my goal is to beat him right to 100. So <laughs> point is that every week on Friday, I look at this chart and I, I mark off one more box on this chart. And I see the weeks of my life just, you know, moving away. I know I'm not going to be here forever. So I take this as a very personal thing I do every Friday. And I think about it. I sit there and think, wait a minute. Did I do everything I wanted to do this week? Am I proud of everything we've accomplished as a team, as a person, as a human, as a husband, as a, as a son, as a father, all of that, as a friend? Am I proud of this week? And if I'm not, what am I going to do different next week so I can be proud of it? Because you know what? Eventually, I either run out of boxes or I'm not going to be able to fill them in anymore. And am I going to live 
and live, you know, live and leave this life proud and no regrets? Or am I going to wish that I tried harder, ate better, uh, exercised more, uh, took bigger chances, hired coaches, did experiences to learn? Or am I going to sit there in my deathbed and look out and be like, you know what? I wish I would have done yeah. that. I will never live that life, Josh. And I know you won't either. It's we're going to give it everything we got because you know what? One day your number is going to be pulled. And when it is, I want to go down swinging. <laughs> I want to go down, man. Like, like this was the best fucking oh, ride we could have ever had. Go 12 rounds with that motherfucker. Let's go. You know, <laughs> let's go. Exactly. Like, come on, dude. You're going to you're going to drag me into that thing or whatever, <laughs> yeah. wherever we go next. You're going to drag yeah. me in because I'm going to be clawing my way back out. Well, you're, so. well, you're absolutely right. Right. And and it's it's another way of saying kind of what I said earlier is, are you doing today what your future self is going to thank you for tomorrow? Yeah. Exactly. And uh, and yep. if you if you constantly do that, if you can keep that in the in the front of your mind, you know, then you'll be fine. You know, but if you can't, you got to adjust You've, you've got to realign. 100%. And you mentioned something earlier that is super critical. You mentioned about being in a, in a, I don't know the word you use, I forget, I'm sorry for that, but being in a flow state, like when you talked about installation, when you were just in it, because you were, I forget the word you used, but it was like you were just in it and ready, like you were just loving it, right? Yeah. Um, and this concept of flow state, so that's one of the fastest ways you get to your why, and that's such an important piece of all of this, right, is to figure out why. If you can define that why, it makes everything, every decision so much easier, but you find that by finding out where you're in flow state, like where, that's what I say. So when you're doing something, say for instance, in a podcast now, I haven't even looked at the clock and I'm like, holy shit, it's 48 minutes in. And I just love talking yeah. to people, right? So with that being the case, you know, I'm like, I'm in flow state right now, which means I'm doing the right thing. My why is to talk to people and to share the conversation right now, right? And to impact and empower people. So if that's it, let's, let's just fill my life with tons of that. Make sure every role I have in every company or every relationship is more of that. And if it's, if I hate doing this kind of stuff, Let's find somebody who loves it <laughs> where this lights them up and put them in that spot. And the next thing you know, they're lit up yeah. and you don't have to do it. Right? So, yeah. uh, that's, and there's, there's a lot to be said about that. And to your point, you know, you and I are very similar. I, I, I can already tell, but talking to people does the same thing to me. Right. And, and I don't notice it all the time because sometimes I'm stuck in my office staring at a computer screen all day. You know, sometimes I'm out in the field, you know, I mean, you know, the life, it, who knows what you get, but mm -hmm. it's the days like Tuesdays, for instance, today is my one-to-one -one day with all my direct reports. So I've got a meeting from eight to nine, from nine 30 to 10 30, from 11 to 12. I squeezed you in at one, right. And then from two to three, mm -hmm. and those are my meetings. But, but today I will go home and I will be able to think clearly. I'll be able to, to process what I learned easily. I'll be able to feel accomplished, you know, and, and really just understand my why, right? My sense of purpose. It's always on the days that I have the most conversations and it's different for everyone, nice. right? But, but it is a fact. And this is something that, I mean, shit through, 36 years of life, I didn't realize until probably a year and a half ago that this was the case, yeah. you know, but that is, I mean, you know, on those days, I'm me to, to be, yeah. you know, yeah. to, to put it simply. And you don't have to try right. when you're in your flow state. You just are. Yeah. You're being, you're present. You're totally thrilled. You're, everybody that's listening had to have that at some point, even if it's driving your car or reading to your kids or, or, or taking a walk or whatever it might be. 
but where you just lose track of time and you couldn't be more blissfully happy. And that's what life is all about is finding that. And there's a quote that was, that I've seen so many times, and I'm sure you've seen this before, but it says, you know, there, there's, a, there's two, there's only two most important days of your life. Mm-hmm. The first one is when you're born. And the second is when you figure out why. Yeah. The day that I figured out why was the day that all the lights went on. Things became clear. I got rid of things. I added a ton more stuff. I figured out how to be the leader and a father and a husband that my family deserved and that my teams deserve. It all happened when the lights went on and I realized that. And I hope you people out there listening right now, listeners are are, are taking this to heart because it is so, so powerful. Once you know, you know. <laughs> you can't unsee it at that point, right? But the crazy part, Josh, you tell me if this is like this for you, but it does shift. It yeah, does change. Changes. Have you noticed that along the way? That's a, it's not like, oh, good, I got my why. Great, I can just write it on a, on a sign, tattoo it on my ass, and I'm good to go for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. No, because once you do a lot of that, you find there's even deeper functions and, and intricacies of that. And next thing you know, you're like, well, I love this, but I kind of like that even more. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're there, and then you're moving. It, it's, it's a constantly moving thing, but once you realize you're capable of finding it, which every human out there is, Man, this is a life changer. Absolutely. And you got to be honest with yourself, right? You know, I think that's the hardest yeah. part for some people because you 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 fall into this identity crisis. This is who I am. How yep. could I how could I not enjoy this anymore? How could I want something different? Yep. How could this other thing bring me more joy than the thing that's been bringing me joy for 10 years? That doesn't make any sense. Yep. You know, and they resist it. And if you resist it long enough, uh, I mean, that's a that's a recipe for misery, you know? And so you you've got to yep. be honest with yourself. Um, you know, and I think I read, I read this somewhere. Um, you ever read the book Ikigai? Talks about- Ikigai? No. Okay. So it talks about flow state, right? And it's, uh, yeah. I think it's like the Japanese word for joy or flow or something like that, mm. but it's a great book. And anyway, it goes into, um, the, uh, the blue zones, you know, there's five blue zones in, 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 in the world where, uh, the most centennials live. So most people over a hundred okay. years old and, uh, the, the one common denominator that they found through all this was flow state. How often are they mm. in a state in which they enjoy being in for their life? Yeah. Those who are in that state the longest live the longest. Simple. Wow. So to your point, you want to be 100 years old? Just stay in your flow state, my man. Yeah, baby. Let's do it. I mean, starting out meditating each morning gets me started with it. And I'm like, I'm already in flow to start the day. That's the first five minutes being awake. <laughs> and starts the entire day off that way and throughout the day then i write lists of things to be honest with you things that i don't enjoy about what i'm doing and i find somebody who does enjoy that and i hand it to them and then they're happy and i'm happy and everybody's <laughs> that's all awesome. good to go right <laughs> that's that's really what it's about man i could go on for days with you josh but and i'm sure i'll have you back on the podcast because we just keep this conversation rolling so josh how can people find you if they're interested in what you've talked about and how you've scaled and all that kind of stuff what do you have to offer our listeners yeah absolutely um i'm uh, at josh zolan everywhere uh, i've got the podcast and the book all over instagram and linkedin i do a lot on linkedin just recently got onto twitter uh talk all about uh, business small business growth leadership stuff like that on uh on twitter um blue is the new white.com or uh uh wcecommercial.com for uh, the, uh, the WCE business. But uh, yeah, man, if all else fails, just Google my name, you'll find me. I love it. I love it, brother. Uh, thank you for spending your very valuable time with us and uh, you know, unlocking a bunch of stuff. Hopefully the listeners have um, grabbed a bunch of nuggets. I know I, I always do every podcast. I learn something new and I love it. Um, and But thank you again for coming on, Josh. Oh, likewise, man. Thank you for having me.
Anytime, anytime, brother. My pleasure. Um, so yeah, guys out there listening, you know, it's, uh, this business is the whole business thing is not a straight line. It's, 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 it's constantly growing and learning, growing and learning, growing and learning. And you're going to get a lot of black eyes and broken bones. That's the nature of business. It's not for everybody. It's so much easier just to, you know, punch a clock and let somebody else worry about it. But I have a gut feeling that if you're listening to this podcast and you own your own business, you want to prove to the world what the fuck you can do. And you want to prove that you're a badass and that you can provide for your family and that you can change the direction of generations to come based on your just your ability, your God-given gifts. So don't stop. Don't slow down. There, Every one of us out there that is pushing every single day, running our businesses, we're pushing with every ounce of might we have. We still have families. We still are you know, married. We still have extended families. We have all that too to manage. It's, it's not easy, but it's worth it. I got to say, dude, it is freaking worth it. At 43 years old, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. It's so incredible. So, you know, our goal here on Outer Space is to impact and empower 2 million people in the next a little over four years. We're already well on our way to that because of the amazing contributions of all of our listeners and the sharing of the episodes and all of that stuff. And we're just trying to get this word out to help people get more information that's going to help them launch and break those generational curses so they can grow and, and live the life they've always dreamed of without the stress level that typically comes with owning a business. So thanks for listening, everybody. Peace out. See you next week.